The truth is we do. How many of us, your whole reputation, your life, your business, all of these things, what's first? What's the most important thing? If you can just catch this one idea, that he not only is the most important part of your life, he will never be satisfied till he gets all of you. It's a losing battle to let anything or anybody come between you and the Father, and you begin to want them or something in life. And what happens is, you come to the place in your life, and there have been times, and I would say a lot of times in my life, that I wake up in the middle of the night, and the Lord speak to my heart about something, and it's like, and sometimes I've said, God, I just want, I want, I want you to hug me, Lord. I want to hug you. And sometimes, in my own personal relationship with him, it's like, I can't get enough. And I know that I can't get him down here where I can touch him and feel him. And on the other hand, when that little season of prayer on being quiet is over, there's this awesome sense of peace and genuine contentment and love and devotion and everything else. And you know what? How long does that satisfy you? It satisfies you, but you know what? It's this insatiable hunger for him that you want to know more, experience more. And if I should say to you this morning, how many of you would like to have a real, strong, genuine, undeniable, inescapable, overwhelming, powerful awareness of the presence of God in your life? Well, every single one of us would. Well, let me ask you a question. How badly do you want it? Do you want it strongly enough to get light in at nighttime and say, Lord, speak to my heart? Lord, do whatever is necessary so that you really and truly are the most important person and thing in my life. He may have to take something away from you. You have to ask yourself the question, what am I clinging to? What am I holding on to? What's more important than that relationship with him? Hungering, thirsting after God means you have a yearning, a deep abiding desire. Listen, they can't really be fulfilled. And on the other hand, it can. It's progressive. It keeps moving. And you see, what is spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity is growing in our relationship. And so, if I should say to you, are you a mature Christian? I wouldn't tell anybody I was mature, not a mature Christian. Because you see, I'm not too sure I know exactly what that would involve. From my viewpoint, I may think, well, I'm pretty mature, but if I looked at it from God's perspective, he'd say, man, you're just a child. Here's what you need in your life. So I would never say that. But this much I do know, I'm making progress. You can make progress. But to make progress, you've got to deal with those things that clutter for your life. For example, one thing about having a hunger and thirst for God is, you know what's happening? He's central in your life all day long. If you have a hunger and thirst for him, there's no point during the day you say, I need to go somewhere and pray because there's nothing wrong with praying. I'm all for that because if you have a hunger and thirst for God, you're going to want to pray. But here's what happens. You're not going to limit it to some point, some time, or some incident. In other words, praying no longer becomes what happens in your life because you have a need. Prayer is just what you do. It's who you are. It's like you, you live with your husband or wife. You don't have to make a big concerted effort to say, tonight, I love you, dear. No, because you know what? You're always expressing it. You express it in different ways, the way you touch him or her, the way you speak to them, or the things you remember, the things you do. And so it is with God. We don't have to make a big issue out of it. It's just the fact that when we have a hungering, thirsting, yearning desire for him, he's always central in our life. Now, there's lots of competition in our lives.
And I simply want to ask you to start thinking in your life about this. You get up tomorrow morning, and the world begins again. But what happens if you stop and say, Lord, today, I want you to draw me to yourself. I want to experience an intimacy with you that I've not experienced before. Lord, here's what I have to do. These are things I see that I have to do today. I want you to be so real to me that while I'm doing these, I'm aware of your presence. Stir up that hunger within me. Create a deeper desire for you in my heart. And Lord, when you see me being attracted or something appealing to me that would draw me away from you, draw me back. Help me to understand. Draw me back. Draw me close to yourself. Draw me back to yourself. Don't let me waver. Don't let me wander. But create within me such a desire for you that it absolutely controls my conversation and my conduct all day long. You think he won't answer that prayer? He will answer that prayer. If a close relationship with the Lord is the desire of your heart, we encourage you to take the suggestion from Dr. Stanley's message and earnestly pray, God, stir up a hunger in me and draw me to yourself. God reveals himself through his word. For help with understanding the Bible, visit our website, intouch.org. And to listen to today's message again, click Today on Radio. If you'd like to order Dr. Stanley's complete message, it's included in his set of two sermons titled, Hungering and Thirsting for God. You'll find it in our online bookstore. Our web address again is intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer, you can write to us at In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. People skilled in their profession are often said to be made for their job. Have you ever wondered what you're made for? Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is coming up. Do you take sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, jot scripture references on the offering envelope? Start keeping things in one place, one organized place, with the InTouch Note-Takers Journal. This leather, soft journal contains 150 pages for taking notes and includes Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles. Find everything in one convenient place with the InTouch Note-Takers Journal. Call toll-free 1-800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. Dad, Dad, Dad! What, buddy? Did you order a grandma's gift? You still want to get the same one we talked about last night? Yes. I think we got it. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas! Come on in! Oh, thank you, Nolan. The prayer blanket! The prayer blanket. <laughs> Merry Christmas, buddy. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, Christmas is a time of sharing. Go to intouch.org slash store to find gifts that bless for the Christmas season. You're listening to In Touch. You are made by God for God. How should that affect your everyday life? Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. I used to drive a little white Volkswagen, a bug. And the reason I mention that because this has been a long time ago. I'm driving along thinking about something else. I don't have any idea. It's like God said to me, I made you for myself. It was so real I turned to the right, looking, knowing there's nobody was there. I made you for myself. Now listen carefully. You may never have heard that, but it isn't because 
God hasn't said it. I made you for myself. Every single one of us is created for God. And because we're created for him, he wants us for himself to love him and to cherish him and to honor him and to obey him and to serve him. That's what we're here for. Why else did God create you? Just have a good time in life? No. Can you have a good time in life and be a Christian? Absolutely. Have the best time. He created us for himself. And therefore, because he created us for himself, what we have to ask is this, Lord, what are you doing in my life? In other words, is he really the central focus of your thinking? There's somebody, if you'd ask the average parent, what's the most important thing in life? My children, I understand that. It's just not the right answer. Or my husband or my wife, not the right answer. The most important thing in every single one of our lives is a personal relationship to Jesus Christ, God himself. You can learn more about living in a way that honors God at intouch.org. And if these truths are impacting your walk with Jesus, we'd love to hear your story. Tomorrow on In Touch, contentment and joy are available to anyone in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll continue hearing about what it means to hunger and thirst for God. Tuesday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. From the earliest days of the church, Christian theologians have marveled at the paradoxes found in the Incarnation. Among the earliest expressions of this marveling comes from St. Augustine, the most influential theologian in Western Christianity. Augustine was born in 354. A brilliant thinker, he initially rejected Christianity as being an intellectually empty faith, despite the faithfulness of his mother. After wandering through various pagan philosophies, the equally brilliant St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan, showed Augustine how Christianity was superior to pagan philosophies. That and other things, including his mother's prayers, led Augustine to become a Christian. He eventually returned to Hippo, where he was elected bishop. Augustine was an expert orator. He had been a teacher of rhetoric in Milan when he met Ambrose. As a Christian, he used his intellectual abilities and communication skills to address both the pressing theological issues facing the church in the late 4th and early 5th centuries, as well as the challenges that were being brought by opponents of Christianity. He also employed his impressive skills in his preaching. In his many years as Bishop of Hippo, Augustine preached many Christmas sermons that discuss various aspects of the wonder of the Incarnation. In what's known as Sermon 184, which Augustine delivered sometime before AD 396, he pointed out the paradox of God's sovereignty with the vulnerability of becoming a child. Quote, the one who holds the world and being was lying in a manger. He was simultaneously speechless infant and word. The heavens cannot contain him, yet a woman carried him in her bosom. She was ruling our ruler, carrying the one in whom we are. In Sermon 191, delivered years later in either 8411 or 412, Augustine was even more pointed about the paradox of the Incarnation. Quote, the maker of man, he was made man, so that the director of the stars might be a babe at the breast, that bread might be hungry, and the fountain thirsty, that the light might sleep, and the way be weary from a journey, that the truth might be accused by false witnesses, and the judge of the living and the dead be judged by a mortal judge, that justice might be convicted by the unjust, and discipline be scourged with whips, that the cluster of grapes might be crowned with thorns, and the foundation be hung up on a tree, that strength might grow weak, eternal health be wounded, life might die." End quote. 
Like his listeners then, Augustine would want us to also consider in the Incarnation that which so often we overlook in our familiarity with the story. He also encouraged a response from his listeners appropriate to the great mystery of the Incarnation. Also in Sermon 184, he said this, quote, So then let us celebrate the birthday of the Lord with all due festive gatherings. Let men rejoice. Let women rejoice. Christ has been born a man. He has been born of a woman. And each sex has been honored. Now, therefore, let everyone, having been condemned in the first man, pass over to the second. It was a woman who sold us death, a woman who bore us life. End quote. As Augustine explained, Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh so that our sinful flesh might be cleansed and purified. This shows that it's not flesh itself that's at fault, but it's the sin that corrupts it. That sin must die so that we might live. We would do well to ponder his words on the wonder and the many paradoxes of the Incarnation and join him in celebrating and rejoicing in the birth of our Lord. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Christians are called to commit ourselves to truth and virtue, to love of God and our neighbors, and to care for the victims of bad ideas in this cultural moment. At the Colson Center, we're committed to helping you know how to do that through all of our articles, podcasts, programs, and events. To support the ongoing growth of this ministry, would you consider a year-end gift as we look forward to 2024? To make your gift, go to colsoncenter.org slash November. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. On the surface, such a philosophy seems to make sense. Now hold on. Billy Graham has a lot more to say about that way of thinking. If there's no heaven to gain, nor hell to shun, it is reasonable. If morals are irrelevant, if we are mere animals, if character means nothing, if man is a non-entity without a soul, then the philosophy of enjoy yourself makes a lot of sense. But what if the Bible is true? What if Jesus Christ really is the Son of God? Where will you be then? What will you say to God at the judgment? Don't trust in that which appears to be reasonable. In matters which are eternal, put your trust in the only authority, God himself. And the first step is to start a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Find out more at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.